We've heard from the Yopros. Today, how aviation managers can promote and ensure a welcoming company culture. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan, brought to you by Varion. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for the very latest business aviation news and information. In a recent episode, four young professionals, or YoPros, working in business aviation discussed how important it's been for them to find positions at companies with a just and welcoming company culture, one that values their perspectives, especially as they've gained experience and moved on to new roles in our industry. That's a message that aviation managers need to hear as well, because while company culture hasn't always perhaps been a top priority throughout our industry, it is now. I have to admit that when I began as a professional, I don't think I understood personally the importance of culture. Jennifer Pickerel is vice president at Aviation Personnel International. I think at that time in your life, we're all just so grateful to get a job, our first job, our first big break, if you will. So we don't think too deeply about culture. So that was the first sign to me. I thought, oh, we should be teaching younger people about culture earlier on in their careers, because we all know how uncomfortable it is when you find yourself at a culture that doesn't fit your values. And sometimes you just stumble into that accidentally if you don't have that awareness. Um, How I've seen culture become more of a prominent topic through the course of my time in this industry is really interesting. And I think it's really becoming a pinnacle point now, Um, partly because, in my opinion, of the Women in Aviation Advisory Board that came from the FAA, uh, which identified culture as the biggest barrier for women and underrepresented groups entering aviation. So that was a very big takeaway. And also with the talent landscape as it is, Being as competitive as it is, it's interesting to see that we shouldn't be singularly focused on compensation. Compensation can attract, but what really retains? We know that compensation is the least sustaining attraction and retention tool, when in fact culture is the most imperative when it comes particularly to retention. So I think it's become over time more and more of a topic, and I believe it should become even more prominent of a topic as we continue into the future. Well, I agree with uh, Jennifer. I think that when we're new in our careers, we're not really paying attention to culture, but subconsciously, we're all very aware of it. Scott Moore, CAM, is a human leadership guru with more life leadership. How does it feel to work here? Do I enjoy walking in the door every day or do I feel a pit in my stomach, you know? And if you think of culture, you know, it has a lot of different aspects. One is, like Jennifer says, are there people like me here? Do I feel like I belong? Do I like my coworkers? You know, how do we treat each other in the office? But the far bigger piece, and they say it's up to 70% of culture, is due to the leaders and the leadership in the company. You know, do I trust my manager? Am I feeling valued for the work that I do? You know, is there a pathway that has been described to me the way I can move up and get a raise or get a promotion? You know, these sorts of things, culture is a big issue. And like Jennifer says, it's the number one criteria for discretionary effort and for retention is how does it feel to work here? And leadership has by far the biggest component of that. 
My third guest today is Andy Richards, Chief Operating Officer for Duncan Aviation in Battle Creek, Michigan. Was company culture something you were conscious of, Andy, when you first started out in the industry? I began my career almost 27 years ago, and it was with a different company than the one I'm at now. But in that company, we had a very top-down leadership culture. It was a much more traditional approach to running the business, and there was really very little energy devoted to creating a culture that would engage, grow, and retain our talent. Shortly after, I began an early leadership role at the company that I'm with now. The company began teaching courses that were developed internally and taught by senior managers. Now, these leadership courses really strove to instill a common leadership culture based on emotional intelligence, such concepts as self-awareness, empathy, and self-development. And slowly, we saw the leadership culture evolve into what it is today. Now, some existing leaders didn't buy into the new program, the new culture, and those leaders either moved on into non-leadership roles or left the company. Now, we've continued, I believe, to evolve the leadership culture and the company culture over time. One of the methods that we've begun using maybe 10 or 12 years ago is a culture audit. Other companies may be doing that as well. But we found this really useful. It's anonymous, and it's proven to be a great tool for us to help understand where we're making progress when it comes to creating that culture and where we have more work to do. So I think that's the a big change that's happened over the decades since I started. People are listening more to what their team members and the talent are looking for in a company and trying to emulate that culture. But what aspects of company culture are most important in making employees feel valued? We'll answer that question following this word from our sponsor. Take your aviation operations to new heights. Introducing Varion, formerly known as ATP, your ultimate partner in achieving maximum aircraft uptime. At Varion, we understand the challenges faced by everyone in aviation. Our industry-leading technology solutions revolutionize aircraft management, so there's no more waiting, no more wondering, and no more wasted effort. Get real-time visibility of your maintenance, inventory, operations, and regulatory data right at your fingertips with an easy-to-use system. Backed by a team of experts with deep aviation knowledge offering 24-7, 365 support. After 50 years in the business, we have built a growing reputation for getting our customers more aircraft uptime. That's why thousands of aircraft operators worldwide have already discovered the power of Varion. Say goodbye to downtime and hello to increased efficiency and profitability. Visit Varion.com to learn more. Varion, let's get you more uptime. We're back now with Jennifer Pickerel, Scott Moore, and Andy Richards, and our discussion for aviation managers about the importance of company culture in both hiring and retaining workers. Andy, before the break, you mentioned your company conducts audits of its culture and employee experiences. What aspects have those audits shown really make employees feel like they're valued and heard? Team members want to be valued as individuals and seen as individuals, but also as members of effective and successful teams. They want to be part of a winning team as well. Now, if we can create these experiences, that will lead to higher levels of engagement and retention. I think team members also appreciate when senior managers and managers are transparent regarding the health of the company. 
I believe that grows trust. And with that trust, we can grow confidence, even when things are not going well, such as during the pandemic. You can make team members feel valued as, as individuals when you listen to them and act on their concerns. Well, I think Andy and Scott are both spot on in that listening and engaging with our employees is where it all begins. And, and even more fundamental to that is, is respecting them as individuals and seeing value in their perspective. So often when we at API go into an organization, management's perspective on culture is very different than the individual contributor's perspective on the culture that they're living within that workplace. So the best way to kind of bridge that gap, of course, is to speak to the people who are living that life. The higher we get into management, naturally it can be easier to lose sight of what's happening with the individual contributors. So not only, not only is it important as a, a top line leader, but it's incredibly important as that top line leader that your middle management leaders are attuned to the leadership philosophies of the organization. And that desire to be engaged with all of the individual contributors is present throughout the entire organization. So, you know, we find, and Andy was spot on, that recognition is really impactful and that transparency and feedback, actionable feedback. And the one caution I wanna make there is, sometimes you see a very well-intentioned leader take that feedback loop really seriously and they ask their individual contributors or their direct reports for valuable feedback, but then they don't act on it. And I wanted to mention that because that actually can backfire that can erode the trust that Andy was actually referring to. So if you go down that road, which is encouraged, so you gain a further understanding of their perspectives, you have to be willing to listen without judgment and act on the pieces that you can and be transparent about the confines with which you're working so we don't make promises that we can't deliver. Scott, what have you seen in your work with companies? Well, I think the big thing that we're touching on here is open and honest communication. You know, that's the bottom line is people at every level want to know what's going on. How well am I doing? What's my pathway forward? Uh, do you care about me? And if you're a leader in an organization, you should be having regular check-ins with your people. What's going on in their life? What challenges do they have? Where do they hope to be in one year? Where do they hope to be in five years? What can you do to help enable that? And how do you communicate that? to the employee to let them know that you're advocating on their behalf, that you support them, that you'll back them up. I think communication skills are one of the areas, and in particular in aviation, a lot of times, you know, we're used to talking on the radios, but a lot of times we're not used to talking to other human beings, uh, maybe as much as in other industries. And it's all about, leadership is all about uh, relating to other human beings. And part of it is also doing some analysis of yourself. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are you working on today to make yourself a better leader? So, so it is this concept of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, mindfulness, but also uh, using that to create a better uh, relationship with the, with the people that you work with and better communication so that everyone can feel a valued member of the team. Let's turn the conversation now from existing employees, Scott, to hiring. How can a company demonstrate that it has a genuinely welcoming culture during the interview process? Well, I think it, in the interview process, I think it's important for the, 
the applicants to have access to people not in the interview world. Maybe other people that would work on the same team, people that work maybe in a slightly different area of the company. In-person interviews are the best because you can walk around and talk to people. You can see what, what is the environment. When you pass someone in the hallway, what is the interaction there? Is the interaction blank silence and looking away? Or is the interaction, hey, Carol, how are you doing today? Hi, John. What's up? How you been? Because right there, those little, those little signals tell you how people treat each other and what the culture's like. When you're working for a particular manager, talking with other people who work with that manager, setting up those communications with folks at that same level. Um, when we would interview a new uh, team member, we would bring them in and we'd go to lunch and invite several folks so that you could sit around a table and have an open and honest communication rather than in an office environment. There's many ways to do that. Part of it is support your folks. If you want to communicate what your culture is like to, to the rest of the industry, support your folks to allow them to develop themselves. You know, I give PDP classes and there are certain companies that are regular sponsors for their folks to come invest in leadership. And that becomes aware. You know, become aware that, oh, these folks are sending, look, they sent 10 people to the leadership conference this year. Wow, that's amazing. I had one air crew show up to one of my sessions as the whole air crew. It was the whole flight department, six of them all came at the same time. What does that say about their culture? They're willing to invest in their people and the people spoke nothing but good about their company. We're all recruiters. And we all have to talk up that family feel and that sense of belonging to the team members and how we achieve that together. And then even after the hire happens, I think it's important that we walk the talk and so that they see it in their first few days because that can make or break the experience for a team member is those early days being employed at a new company. And those direct supervisors that people have have enormous influence on that overall experience. Therefore, you have to be really selective about who you promote into those direct supervisor positions for those new hires. We have to make sure that those they get off to such a great start. And then we have to train those new leaders as well to make sure that we're instilling the leadership culture that we want to promote in the organization. I think it's really helpful that you promote from within as a company as well. You have to be intentional about training that new leader. You can't just assume that they're going to get it by osmosis. You've got to have some structure to the training so that the, there's consistency, you know, from one leader to the next within the company, because it only takes one bad apple, as they say, to, to ruin the barrel. And so um, if you do identify a, a leader that's not uh, buying into the culture that you're trying to promote, You've got to either influence them to buy in, or maybe there's a better role for them in the company. You just can't afford to take a chance on leaders in your company because culture is a very fragile thing, and it doesn't take much to damage it.
I really loved what Andy just mentioned about the cohesiveness of your leadership and how it has to be consistent through the organization. And that's exactly the the saying, you know, we don't leave companies, we leave bad managers, right? I mean, it really is incredibly impactful if you have one who isn't in lockstep with that leadership and culture philosophy. We try to arm our candidates with questions that they can ask about culture that actually get to the heart of culture, which can be hard to do, especially in one or two interviews. What I want to hear as a prospective employee of your company is the how. How does it happen? Not what, but how. So here's a couple of examples and just flip them. And my suggestion would be as a hiring manager to lead with some of these statements and examples and stories of culture rather than just an open statement. Can you share an instance where the company's core values directly influenced a business decision? Tell me about a time when you adopted a new process based on employee feedback. What do new hires find surprising after they start? And one more, if you could change one aspect of this organization, what would it be? So I just wanted to provide some actual questions that we could lead with as hiring managers, right? So we can talk about culture in a tangible way. Because as Andy said, not only is it fragile, but it can be elusive, it's kind of nebulous. So as an employer, you have to really know your culture in and out and be able to articulate it, not just in word, but in deed. How would you recommend business aviation employers align their company culture, Jennifer, to be more attractive to today's workforce and beyond? Well, more than anything, you have to practice what you preach. You know, so whatever leadership philosophies you have, you have to be living them and have evidence of that. And in the future, I've been doing a lot of reading about the future of culture. And the three things that keep emerging are fairness, professional development, and a deeper sense of purpose. So when we think about fairness, one example would be the flow of information, transparency. I believe Andy alluded to that. When you think about professional development, is this a caring place to work? Is it a place where I can see my career trajectory? Is the company invested in my development and will they put their money where their mouth is? And finally, that deeper deeper sense of purpose. We know that the upcoming generations put a tremendous value on environmental and social conscience. And so there are some strategies that have been used really effectively recently about, you know, what philanthropy does your company do? Uh, I just heard a company the other day, they award their employees $100 for exceptional work to donate to a charity of their choosing. And that was hugely popular. You know, so there are things that in, in previous years, we wouldn't have thought to have been as motivating and impactful, but they will be now and more so in the future. So I want us to not only think about what's the current state of culture, but let's anticipate what's coming down the pike. I think that's particularly important for aviation because we're actually behind the mark when we look at other STEM industries. And I see that as opportunity. It's not a finger pointing, it's not a shame game. It's a lot of opportunity for us to demonstrate who we really are by looking at our our cultures and taking an honest look in the mirror and making those respective changes. Most companies, if you were to ask those questions that Jennifer brought up, which were fantastic, you're probably going to get this big blank stare with an open jaw going, 
Um, I don't have any data there because what I found is the norm, unfortunately, is not having a very good culture. As an interviewer for a company, realize that you are at choice and that there's two interviews that go on when you're up for a job. The one is whether the company wants you, but the far more important one is whether you want that company, if you're going to devote that time and effort to go there. I've coached people at all levels and people sometimes forget that they're at choice. Uh, I Someone told me, I've been stuck in this job for six years. I said, oh, really? So they come and, and with machine guns and take you to work every day? And well, No. So you willingly drive to this place with a really crappy culture and you subject your life to this. So I, w- I just want to remind everyone that if you don't like the place you're at, find another one because there are really, really good companies. You know, Andy shared the story of Duncan, of doing leadership training and company training to work on values and culture. Uh, Many, many companies do this sorts of things. And so if you're in a place that you may not like, well, talk to Jennifer. She can maybe help you find a better one. Great point, Scott. Andy? I agree with what Jennifer said. There are some different priorities in the newer or younger generations that are being hired today. But I think there's also a lot that they have in common with their predecessors. You know, I think team members still want to be listened to, cared about, and have those relevant career paths, and then receive the support they need to reach their potential in those chosen careers. Now, business aviation has an advantage. It inherently feels smaller and more connected than other areas of aviation. So that gives us an advantage when it comes to creating these strong and inviting company cultures. Smaller is going to be a little easier. So we've got an advantage that we need to leverage. We just have to be aware and intentional about creating that culture. If we put the time and energy into creating them, we're going to see some positive change. doesn't happen automatically, for sure. And as I said before, it's a fragile thing. You've got to keep working at it day in and day out because team members have incredibly long memories. It's easy to make a mistake, but it's much harder to fix it. So you've got to be really consistent in your messaging, have strong leaders in place, and create that environment of belonging. Andy, I'd like to circle back to a point that came up earlier. We all might get stuck at a job that lacks that kind of welcoming and inclusive culture. Are there ways an employee can steer that conversation, even in small ways, to perhaps help shift that culture down a better path? I think that there is an opportunity for that to happen. We've just started investigating in some what we call next-gen efforts, meaning the next generation. We're empowering some of these newer team members that are in from, from the younger generations to be part of the answer in creating groups that focus on connecting. Because... This generation that we're hiring now, they want to feel connected and they know that their time at work can be valuable to them. And so they want to make sure that they have friends at work and they can form relationships at work. They're not just work based. And so we're trying to create venues for these people to do what they want to do in this regard. And we're starting to really see some traction in those efforts. If I could speak to that same question as well, I think that it's important that we can all take control of our own experience. And if you're in a place that may not have the best climate, you can still 
take your little area of the company and try to make it as as good as it can be. You can let your light shine. You can bloom where you're planted and help you and the people around you enjoy life, enjoy each other's company. And that does have some impact on the larger organization over time. People say, what's going on over there? They're always having fun. They're always laughing. I want some of that. And sometimes those informal influences can can percolate through the company. So it's not a, a lost cause, but it does require you to take a little bit of initiative and effort to take care of your folks, your piece of that that larger company and try to make it grow and have a great climate, a microclimate, if you will, within the larger organism. I really like that analogy, Scott. Jennifer? I'm so glad you asked that question, Rob, because, you know, a lot of us are in a position where we can't just leave a job. You know, I was a single mother for many years and like my job or not, I was not in a position. So, you, you might not be being held there against your will, but there are circumstances that prevent you from easily moving. So I, I appreciate the points that both Andy and Scott have made here because they're very important ones. You do still have control over your own perspective. And even as an individual contributor, you can create bubbles of safety and connection. Lots to think about from this conversation. And if you're a current or aspiring business aviation yo pro, check out NBA's resources for you at nbaa.org forward slash yo pro and nbaa.org forward slash jobs. Additionally, NBAA's workforce resource offers useful guidance for both prospective employees and the companies seeking to hire them. Visit nbaa.org forward slash workforce to learn more. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Sending out a 3500. Alright, we got him inside. We're slowing back to 170.